Hello, and good afternoon. Boy, are you in for a treat today. In today's conversation, I get to sit down with Dr. Elena Estnall and talk about something that is so vitally important, especially in the world today, which is empowered leadership. Uh, Dr. Elena has a master's has two master's degrees, a PhD, and certified in like a dozen other modalities. So you're in for a treat. You're about to hear something really special and profound. But before we get into that conversation, I wanted to send a shout out and thank you to all the businesses and artists who have supported this coming silent auction. Uh, we have Painting with a Twist, Studio Vino, Haley Hassler, Rosetta, Bronze Sculptor, Global Village Museum, Loveland Art Museum, Artisan U, Daggett Glass Studios, Colorado Symphony Orchestra, Winterfest, and Off the Hook Arts, the Rialto Theater in Loveland, Loveland Art Museum, Rich and Christy Helzer, uh, Rich created this beautiful wire bonsai tree, uh, Michaela Kiernan, Glassy Mermaid, and Black Sand Glass, just to name a few. It's going to be a fantastic silent auction with the theme of the arts. And once again, all of the proceeds go to a world empowered to help us help people who like helping people. Uh, with the money that we raised from last month's silent auction with the, the outdoors theme, uh, we were able to create an adventure and experience for 20 to 30 kids to go out on the field at Dick's Sporting Goods Park and get to meet the Colorado Rapids. So help us continue to help other people while getting yourselves a lot of great deals and support our silent auction. Please share and bid. And I would like to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Elena Estenal. Good afternoon, friends, family members, ladies and gentlemen. I'm BC, the host of Oddcast the Podcast or World Empowered Dialogues. I hope that you're having a wonderful day as we are this beautiful fall afternoon. I have the pleasure and great joy to sit here with my dear friend, Dr. Elena Estenal. We're actually sitting face to face, which as everybody knows for the last year and a half or so is kind of an anomaly. So we get to be in each other's presence and have this conversation. And my friend, Dr. Elena, not only has a PhD and two master's degrees, but she's also a consummate learner, always educating herself in different modalities from Reiki to Huna to Superconscious Recode. And I'll let her explain a few of the other things that she's an expert in. But this is a really fascinating topic that we're going to talk about today and something that I'm really excited about. Um, I really think that it's of paramount importance to have these conversations, especially now with the turmoil and the uncertainty of where we are. But I would like to introduce my dear friend, Dr. Elena. Welcome. Thank you for being with me today. And please share with our audience a little bit about you and where you come from and your background. It's such a pleasure and honor to be here with you, BC, and to be able to do this face-to-face. I think that's really great, so fun. And I'm going to actually share something that it's not about my, um, but my vita, <laughs> like you have just shared a lot of the things that I've done, but um, at heart, I am an artist, and I was a ballerina for many years, and I just love creating and I love creating 
all things and I love the experience of creating and co-creating with other people as you know and um, I feel like this is something that I am reconnecting to and coming back to as a way of also reclaiming myself and reintegrating into all of who I am my dad actually recently said you're one of those few people I don't understand how you do this but you practice all the arts you dance you sing you paint you write you know he's like I don't know how you do that and I said I just love to create you know and so I think that in the end um, I'm gonna say that I am a lover of life and I really love the idea of not just creating and expressing for myself but really helping other people unleash and unlock their own creativity so they come back to themselves and really express their gifts into the world well we'll be able to talk a little bit more about creativity <laughs> and the importance that that plays in people's lives and why we believe uh, or where we believe that comes from what are your degrees in what is your current specialty so I am a high performance psychologist and a leadership coach. I have a PhD in counseling psychology, a master's degree in um, high performance and performance enhancement, a master's degree in uh, pedagogy, kinesiology, and uh, choreography, and then a bachelor's degree in teaching and performing dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And amongst other things, again, with the Huna and the Reiki and everything else. Um, Well, we're here to talk today specifically about leadership and the importance that that plays in society and communities and at home in our interpersonal lives. Why have you felt called to have this conversation specifically around leadership today? And why do you feel that it's important that we share these messages right now? Uh, that's a fantastic question and um, first of all you know it's been quite a few years uh, that I have been working as a leadership coach training leaders and organizations on how to not only enhance their performance but become more emotionally intelligent and skillful at how they manage their communication how to retain employees etc and I have noticed that my joy and satisfaction in doing that kind of work magnifies every time because I see that it's not just making a difference in the people that are in front of me but that those leaders are then taking that work into their families and into their workspace with their employees and their communities and being able to see the ripple effect is really, really powerful and inspiring to me. So from a personal standpoint, um, I want to be able to have a greater impact in people's lives and I feel like this is an an avenue that um, I enjoy and that I'm skilled at doing. Secondly, I think that it's no uh, no surprise that we are in a 
place of mm, redirection, reintegration, um, as a as a world in general. I think that we are trying to figure out how we need to shift, what needs to shift in our individual lives and in how we are um, and how we conduct our businesses and how we interact with one another and it's very clear that expect I think for a long time at least I'm going to speak for myself you know I thought okay well like I need to look for leaders to know who to follow and I need to look for you know other people outside of me and it's become very clear more and more that we are the people that we've been looking for. We are the people that we've been waiting for. And it is in all of our responsibility to actually rise up as leaders to create the world that we want to create rather than pointing fingers and blaming and um, criticizing and rather being able to roll up our sleeves and saying, how am I contributing? What can I do to create the world that I want to see? So I want a world that it's a lot more harmonious, harmonious and peaceful and joyful. And so I want to have a part in that. That really is kind of a tangential benefit to the way the world's run for the last five years or something, right? Like in the absence of quality leadership, we've all realized that this is a role that we need to step up in and start taking more personal responsibility and uh, seeing how that we can affect the change in our communities. It also feels like we're on the path to shifting the paradigm of what leadership looks like and how we lead and what we expect of our leaders. But at the same time, there's a lot of factions within our society that are at odds with each other and seeking different forms of leadership. Um, what do you think right now is a way that we can bring divergent sides together? You know, one of the greatest... Um I'm going to say one of the, the biggest tenets that I focus in my uh, training, leadership training, is the importance of empowerment and self-accountability. And it's really easy to be blaming and pointing fingers. We live in a society where our paradigm has been rooted on blame. I mean, even our judicial system, right? It's like, it's either your fault or it's my fault. There's yeah. no other, at fault. right? It's, it's a dichotomous system, but there is fault regardless. And as long as we are in a paradigm of finding fault, blaming and pointing fingers, we will never find integration and harmony. And so, from my perspective, oops. Nice. <laughs> um, from my perspective, 
the way forward is for each of us to begin to stop blaming and stop pointing fingers outside of ourselves and stop looking at how am I contributing? You what can I take? At- start yeah, start looking at how am I contributing? Um, what what can I take I ownership for? What is my role? Absolutely. And, you know, often the challenges that we're facing are actually opportunities to for growth. We off, I'm going to say the greatest challenges that we face usually involve interpersonal interactions. Um, other people, which is fascinating to me, right? Because we are really brothers and sisters. We're were uh, one and the same and yet our our greatest joys and our greatest challenges come in the form of interpersonal interactions and interpersonal relationships and yet when we can feel the challenge and instead of being like oh that person right and being like oh wow I'm feeling really triggered I wonder what is it about that person or that interaction that it's bringing up in me that I need to work on you know like how can I use this as an opportunity for me to heal something that it's probably hasn't been addressed or hasn't been healed because obviously if it's triggering me then it's still painful in me Mm -hmm. it sounds to me that you're advocating for a higher level of self-awareness and personal agency in in society and people at large how do we facilitate that there's there's no panacea there's no drug there's no vaccine or inoculation how do we advocate and facilitate the opportunity for more self-awareness in some that seem completely unaware a hundred percent and and right there you have highlighted why I'm so passionate about doing this work and why we need to have more people doing this work because it is not easy. It's not going to be a inoculation. It's not going to be a pill. It's not going to be a uh, one and done, right? Like I'm going to check this and then I'm, I'm good to go. I'm going to learn this or I'm going to do it once and then I'm good to go. Not unless you can get 300 million people to take DMT or psilocybin <laughs> all at once. And then who, who knows what kind of the reaction right. will happen from that. Even then, because I think about it, it's like even, even this pandemic, I mean, ultimately, it's our reality is really how, what we construct, what we make of our experience, right? And so uh, in the context of this pandem- pandemic, and I'm just going to use it as an example, I have heard people say this has been the most challenging and most trying period of my life and it's been really scary, blah, blah, blah. And I've also heard people say this has been the most magical, amazing time in my life. And I've discovered myself. I've reinvigorated goals. I've become more connected than ever to my friends and family. And then conversely, there's an entire other side of that where people are like I've never felt more disconnected and I have no idea where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do uh-huh. sorry to interrupt no that's but you you were in synergy with my thoughts like usual. <laughs> yes so 100% and that's exactly what I mean right so if we use this as an example 
we could say either there's something really wrong with the world or the world is exactly as it should be and giving us the opportunity to really see all of the things that are still unhealed, all of the things that are still a problem, all of the things that still need to be addressed that had been shoved under the rug, so to speak, and covered up. And it's not going to be an easy process and it's going to take commitment from people to really recognize if I am willing to step up and do this work, not only will I, not only will I experience a greater sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and internal alignment and unity and authenticity, but I get to have a greater sense of purpose and impact and legacy because of how I'm showing up and how I'm influencing and impacting others and how I am choosing to show up in my world and in my little circle of influence that might be my friends and my family, my co-workers, you know, my community in whichever way that shows up. It's also exceptionally empowering to have that viewpoint because it helps a person feel that if they don't have control over the outcome, they at least have an impact over the outcome. But again, I go back to the original question, like we're advocating self-awareness and personal agency. How do we convince so many that are stuck in a victim mentality and a blame paradigm where everybody else is at fault for what's wrong in their lives how do we change this perspective and help create or incentivize if you will more personal agency and self-awareness you already said it (laughs) did i yes you did and so i'm going to pull it apart and dissect it because when we are in that victim mindset, in that victim space, we feel stuck. We feel powerless. Um, and consequently, we experience a lot of negative emotions like anger and despair and frustration. And those are, to me, the red flags that highlight that you are feeling stuck and helpless and helpless absolutely and as long as you know one of the things that um i'm known to say a lot is when you try to control things that are out of your control you end up feeling more out of control Mm. right and so when you are unable to take any ownership and any responsibility for anything that is showing up in your life and you are pointing fingers and blaming everybody else you know your pet your neighbor the government your job your employer whoever that might be god virus correct then you are at cost everything else will have an impact on you and you are you can't do anything 
you feel like a leaf on the wind. Exactly. It's a horrible feeling. I cannot imagine why anybody would want to stay feeling that way. And I think that we do, A, because sometimes it brings some secondary gain, mm. right? Um, we might get more pity, right? Or we might get to have an excuse for not doing things, or, you know, we get to be right about our perspective or mindset. But the reality of it is that if you can be open to doing the work and examining, okay, um, I'm not perfect because nobody's perfect, right? Um, I'm going to go on a tangent for a moment here and come back. My, um, my performance psych advisor used to always tease me a lot about you know, I am a recovering perfectionist. And so he'd be like, okay, you want to, you want to test for, if you want to, you want to know if you're really perfect. And he worked a lot with gym, gymnasts. And so, you know, this ran pretty rampant. And he said, go home, feel your bathtub with about, I don't know, what, like 10 inches of water, 20 inches of water. And then get in. If you get wet, you're not perfect. Okay, I don't <laughs> understand the analogy. Well, why? why I'm saying that is, it was like it was sort of this test of like if you get wet, then you're not perfect, right? So most of us are gonna get in there and get wet, and so we're all imperfect. We're all gonna make mistakes, and that's just part of being human, mm. right? And if we are willing to recognize that we are imperfect and that we are still worthy of love and belonging even though that we are imperfect then we can allow our egos to take ownership and responsibility for how we have created the experiences and the reality that we are currently living and when we can adopt that perspective all of a sudden you start having power and control over a lot of things right mainly like how you think about things how you what is your attitude about things what is your uh your daily practices all of those things give you lots of power about shifting how you're going to feel how you're going to respond how you're going to react into the world and then you can go from a place of being totally in a place of victim to being in a place of complete empowerment and feeling a sense of connection peace and trust that everything is happening just the way that it needs to happen and that every single experience that is showing up for you it's showing up for you for your growth it's every challenging relationship it's helping you see something else that you need to work on something else that you need to um, heal or process and that ultimately we are the creators of our experience i i can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to have that i don't think that it's something that they don't want to have it just seems to me that so many people have been raised in an environment where they felt like everything they have done or everything they do is wrong and they feel so intrinsically broken and fallible that they can't help but to blame other people as a way to uh, 
pacify that wounded ego. Um, you know, it's been said that ego is the anesthesia to numb the pain of stupidity. I've, I've never liked the stupidity part, but I do believe that ego is the anesthesia to numb the pain of in, inadequacy. And I feel like a big reason why so many are stuck in the victim mentality and the blame paradigm is this deep sense of being worthless and feeling inadequate themselves. And when you feel poorly about who you are, then you look for a way to push the pendulum to the other side. And that usually entails making somebody else the villain, vilifying somebody else, the other, the bad other, making them at cause for our discomfort or the bad situation that's come about. Um, so that that opens a bigger can of worms. Like it's, it sounds like to advocate for personal agency and self-awareness that we have to fix this sense of inadequacy in the whole of society. And that feels a bit daunting. Is there something that, <laughs> is there something that we could do again, aside from DMT and psilocybin and uh, sending 300 million Americans on a 10 day silent retreat, uh, something that we can do to start moving people towards this direction. Cause I, again, I feel like this is, it's a paramount problem. It's one of the, the biggest challenges that we face as a society today is the division amongst us. Um, so figuring out a way to come together and to heal these inner wounds is super important. Well, it's part of the reason why I, I believe that um, we all need to spend some time devoted to personal development it's and being of, alone it's part of the reason why i you know you said i'm this i don't know crazy <laughs> um person in terms of committed to my own personal and spiritual development but you I, are kind of a fanatic <laughs> um and part of that bc is because i feel like I don't ever want to ask my clients to do things that I haven't done or that I wouldn't be willing to do. Which consequently means that I need to be working on my shit. Uh, a, a counselor who doesn't want to be a hypocrite? You are an anomaly. <laughs> Sorry, all you other counselors out there. That, that was meant to be a joke. <laughs> You know, I feel like because of what you just said, I agree. I think that most of us are carrying some type of wound around not good enough or being incapable or being unworthy or, um, and that consequently much of our ego is oriented towards self-protection and it's part of why, again, it's part of why I'm committed to doing this work because if we are um, moving through life only to satisfy our ego, we are living very unconsciously, right? And so part of this process is really about being able to recognize that our conscious mind is only one part of our mind. We have our unconscious mind, which is then 
continually trying to protect us and continually trying to uh, maintain the status quo. And then we have our super conscious mind that out, that is that part of us that is connected to what I like to call what Jung called the collective unconscious, which is, you know, that field of consciousness where we are all connected, where we all come to be and recognize ourselves in each other. And the more that we can become awake from this worldly trance that we have been living in, so to speak, where all that we are doing is living in reactivity and trying to protect and soothe our egos and trying to um, achieve the validation so that we can feel better and get a little bit of that dopamine hit before we fall back down again. We really are not living our best life and we are really getting in the way of us being able to share our gifts at a greater degree. So one of the so what we can do I believe you mentioned this we we all need to have a way to develop different practices. I don't think that it's going to be a one pill one thing. Every person we're all in our own different journeys. I believe that having some time alone for reflection is deeply important, whether that is meditation or walking meditation or spending time in nature or journaling, whatever that might be. I think that is really important. Secondly, I think that we all need to have um, coaches, teachers, mentors that can challenge us, that can see us, that can remind us because we're not perfect. You know, friends, partners, whoever that might be, people that are going to be lovingly honest and help us clarify where we're at and where we're going. Give us honest feedback about how we're showing up. Compassionately unbiased accountability partners. Mm-hmm. And, and the other part of it, I think it's also, and you mentioned it, is having a great degree in commitment of compassion and love that starts with ourselves. Because we think that if we are judging ourselves and being critical of ourselves is how we're going to create change. And actually, the more judgmental and critical we are of ourselves, the more shame we create, the more blame we create, and the more we perpetrate those patterns in our interactions. So we need to start with loving ourselves and caring for ourselves and recognizing, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. Here's here's a time when I um, didn't show up as my best self. You know what's really fascinating to me? What's that? If you tell a two-year-old or a three-year-old, like, Honey, you need to be your best self today. You need to be your best self when we go to so-and-so's house. They know what that is. They don't ask. They're like, okay. And they know exactly what that is. Which tells me that 
at an intuitive level at the core of who we are, we all know who we are. How to show up as our highest authentic self. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in that place, we actually, we're not broken. There's nothing wrong with us. Right? Like this is part of what we, mm, this is a, a bit of a bigger spiritual conversation but um, I believe that part of our journey as humans in this earth we decided to come and experience what we're experiencing and part of that was to experience duality because we couldn't know what hot is without knowing what cold is we didn't know what um, up is without knowing what you know down is we couldn't know love if we didn't know fear. And so we, in in some way, we have set it up so that we experience that duality and we get to have the entire breath of the human experience. What I'd like to, touch, what I'd like to think about is um, touching the edges of life. And yet, throughout that experience, we also need to remember that who we are at the core is that we are love and we are light and we have all incredible gifts to show into the world and that the more that we believe our um our egos and our unconscious wounds right like all of the stories that were created through those painful childhood experiences that then became what what became a true belief for us or how we identify right um, then we, then that's what gets in the way of us fully showing up as conscious leaders and powerful leaders in our lives and in the lives of those that we want to make a difference in. Or you mentioned something about, you know, somebody need, we need to realize that we are love, that we are worthy of love and that we deserve love. If somebody is feeling unlovable, atrocious, worthless, ugly, hideous, unlovable. What's the first step? How do we help somebody that's feeling that way about themselves to convince themselves that they are lovable? Because honestly, I felt that way for the first half of my life. And many of my listeners know that I had a a terrible drug addiction. I attempted suicide and I battled depression for many years. Um, primarily because of that paradigm of feeling unlovable and unworthy and you know for a long time I practiced that I am lovable I am lovable I would tell myself I love myself I love myself I love myself either out loud or in my head thousands of times a day there were there were days that were so dark that I literally never stopped the entire flipping day I was saying I love myself I love myself I love myself just to keep myself from doing something awful um didn't work it was this exhausting game of tug tug of war where my hands just got bloody and blistered and it never really pushed the pair the pendulum to the other side i never actually felt lovable it did keep me from self-harm it did keep me from doing anything stupid or or dangerous but uh, it never had a lasting effect so what's the first step to helping somebody feel like they are lovable they can be loved and that they are love at their intrinsic core um so i really appreciate you 
bringing this up and sharing uh, your experience and there's there's so many layers to your question and you know I would say if somebody's actually feeling that way then absolutely need to have uh, professional support you know whether that's a therapist or a coach or somebody that is really committed to supporting them now you brought up this idea of affirmations affirmations don't work um and people think that they help well i mean they keep you they i'm gonna say this um they give your conscious mind something to do which is sometimes very important because when you are triggered and your amygdala is in fight or flight your conscious mind then begins to loop and then we cannot get out of a particular thought loop or a particular feeling loop so affirmations provide a a purposeful distraction from the mind so that you're not necessarily stuck on a potentially really negative loop like you know I want to kill myself and then actually go enact that action right however they're they're not intended to to shift anything permanently or create any permanent change as you discovered because it's not actually healing the core wound right and so part of and and this is part of the reason why um you have seen me be so committed to getting so many certifications and going in this quest uh, using so many modalities havening um, mer super conscious transformation to name a few um, which are modalities that are actually meant to address the root cause of the problem and sadly enough very few interventions do that most interventions are geared towards putting a band-aid so to speak and um and and few are meant to actually decrease the amygdala's reactive um loop that are so embedded in those core wounds um so that that would be you know to a certain degree i'm going to say it's a little bit of a uh, side tangent so to speak right of of being able to do deeper work and really addressing some of those so that you can feel more whole there's other things that i think that we can do as human beings when we're feeling um that we're not worthy or that we're not good enough and and you know these well because i see you doing them and those are engaging in human connection and actually doing something for other people healthy human connection agreed healthy human connection and and i guess what i'm meaning is um any type of altruistic work any type type of volunteer work or any time that you actually go out of your way to get out of your own shit to go support somebody else or to help somebody else um enhances the connection if that if that certain somebody that you happen to help or make a difference is able to show 
even just a little bit of gratitude and appreciation, then the the loop that gets formed is really powerful. Because just that little bit of gratitude and appreciation, there's been lots of studies that have been done um, both in companies and um, and organizations that the number one reason why people leave their jobs and I would say the number one reason why people leave their relationships is because they don't feel appreciated, they don't feel validated. And, um, And just receiving i think it was something like 81% of employees said that the most powerful and motivating thing for them um, in their jobs is to receive appreciation and gratitude right and so when we go out out of our way to show up as our best selves to help other people to be kind to be compassionate and then if we can as the recipient recipient of those things then take the time to express gratitude and appreciation, then we begin to form actually this really beautiful um, forward positive loop, right? And then the more that you do that, then the better you'll feel about yourself because after a while, it's very difficult to continue to stay oriented to a paradigm of I'm worthless when you're actually going out and helping other people and And making a difference are exactly are telling you that you're making a difference or they're you're seeing it in their faces you you know and I know that this is a lot of what you do in your work right and so I'd love to hear your experience because I'm you know I'm telling you what the research says and I'm telling you what I know to be true and you are probably a living example of that well one of the things that I think is really important to address is that a lot of people feel like their cup is topped off that they're barely getting by they barely have enough time for their job and their family and you know maybe taking a bath every other night or something like that so they feel like their cup is topped off and they can't put one more drop in it Um, but we can make a big difference everywhere we are driving down the road we have the opportunity to get pissed at the person who cuts us off in traffic or to give them a smile and a wave or just let it let it go we have an opportunity with the cashier at the grocery store who may or may not be having a bad day um just this weekend i was up in estes and i was going through a store and i recognized the song and i was like is this cosmo sheldrake and the the gal at the at the cash register is like, oh my god, you know who this is? I everybody's like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? I can't believe you're the first person in months that has actually known who this is. And just that little interaction made her day. Like we have such an opportunity with every single interaction with every person that we come in contact with to help them have a little bit brighter of a day. Uh, we don't have to start a nonprofit and we don't have to dedicate our lives volunteering 60 hours a week like like some of us do uh, to, to really <laughs> to really have a big impact in the world it, you know those little ripple effects you know maybe that person at the the store up in Estes was having a crummy day before I came in and if I hadn't had that interaction and made that person laugh, 
who knows how the rest of that person's day may have gone. And because I had that impact and made her laugh, who knows how the rest of the day and every interaction with every other person that she had and that she came in contact with and how the ripple effects from that uh, butterfly affected throughout the entire world. You know, you don't really know. Um, it's also important to realize that we do have something to contribute that each of us has a unique gift and there's something that we can do, whether it's just a sense of humor or a compassionate ear or an insight or whatever our gift might be, um, just to realize and validate that we do have something. Everybody has something. If there wasn't something unique and special about you, then you wouldn't exist. So just those two realizations, I think, are, are really important to, to start with. Oh, I love those examples, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And and the the beauty of the examples is that we don't even need to go that far, right? If you live with somebody, if you have a intimate partner, spouse, parents, siblings, you know, it it appalls me that sometimes. It is the people that we're closest with that we treat the worst. Sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time. almost Right? It's the people that we're closest with that we take for granted. Our most loyal employee, our you know longest standing partner. And so to me, it starts just with you being able to decide. So decide ahead of time how you want to show up and then practice it. Practice it with the people that are right there in front of you, that you are sharing space, that you are interacting with on a daily basis because that will make a huge ripple effect. So one of my um, good friends at the counseling center, Mark Ben, he used to say, he used to have this phrase, shit in shit out and um and I didn't really understand it you know and he's like well you know if there's somebody that is at work and they're constantly being um, belittled and they are constantly being yelled at they are marginalized discriminated um and just treated poorly that that man, let's say it's a man, that man will come home and then will like take it out on his wife and he will be mean to her, he will beat her up and then she will take it out on the kids and then the kids will then get punished, will get yelled at and then the kid will go and kick the dog. Or go to school the next day and, and be a jerk to one of their classmates or become a bully and then that kid goes home and acts out at home and then they gives their parents an awful night and then the parents have an awful night and then they go to work and they yell at somebody else. There was an episode, I think in uh, how I met your mother or something like that. And they talked about the cycle of screaming or cycle of yelling or something like that. And it was all about that. It's hilarious. Yeah. But, but I mean, so if you think about how this ripple effect of negativity, shit in, shit out. Right. Then I thought about, Okay, well, can I become the transformer of shit? A shit alchemist? A shit alchemist. <laughs> can, can I You're going to turn poop into gold? 
Can we become shit alchemists? Can we decide that even if somebody is shitty, that you get to transform that? You know, so because in the end, perception is all interpretation, right? It's all in the interpretation. It's all in the stories. So you were talking about the guy that is cutting you off in traffic. You know, that that used to be a thing for me. That used to be me too big trigger for me and I would get mad and I would start yelling and if I had somebody in my car then like that person was now like oh my god you know I may or may not have had a severe problem with road rage in my (laughs) 20s so that was a thing for me and then all of a sudden you know that that I mean and this is kind of going all directions but you know that Fantasia episode where like Goofy is like like the most peaceful, loving individual. And he's like not even like stepping on bugs. And he's like just the kindest. Like, And then gets in his car and then becomes like... <laughs> <laughs> like like Mr. Mr. Hyde, you know? And just like it's like awful and mean. That, that was kind of a little bit me, you know? And so uh, I recognized that. And it was literally people that would cut me off and then would be like weaving through traffic and all of that that would just really get to me and finally I'm like you know it doesn't matter like me getting mad me yelling like that person doesn't ever get to hear it it's just impacting me and the poor people that are my passengers right and victims the, the, the poor victims of my road rage and then eventually I was like so why am I allowing right like this is a great example of kind of what we were talking about recognizing I was actually being a cause right I was allowing somebody else to cause me to feel enraged and then then I would show up and then I was all like in a bad mood to the next thing and so on and so forth you know and I was like why can I take ownership and can I decide that I am going to show up in a different way? So there's this practice that I have. Um, as you know, I'm a huge fan of meditation and using meditation as a, um, as a practice both for focus, for groundedness, and to help you connect and set intentions for your day. Part of that practice involves coming up with three words three states of being of how I want to show up in the world that day and then um, allowing my uh, intuition to give me a symbol for each one of those words and a color for each one of those words so that I can feel basically the embodiment of that and then I'll set a reminder on my phone to ping me a few times during the day to remind me and see if I am actually practicing showing up as those things right and so this is just one practice that we can adopt where we are now choosing we are now choosing how we want to be what we want to show up and then when opportunities like somebody cutting you off shows up then you can see that as an opportunity like oh here's a chance for me to choose am I gonna allow this guy to get me all in rage or am I going to choose to stay in joy for instance and so so I decided to create a story and I'm going to share with you and maybe our listeners will get a kick out of it most of my leadership teams always laugh um I created I have created the story that every time that somebody's cutting me off and just weaving in and out of traffic I tell myself oh my gosh 
that person must really need to poop. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good story. Bad visual. Good story. It always makes me laugh. It always makes other people laugh. So in the end, the end result is way better. (laughs) Yeah, I think most of the time we get upset because of the association that we tie to something. For example, road rage. For whatever reason, in this culture predominantly, and I've traveled all over the world and most of the other places that I've been to, at least the developing countries, they don't respond the way that we do. But when we get pulled over here, it's like we go inside and we internalize it and we think that that person did it intentionally and they have no respect for our lives and that they know that we're trying to get somewhere on purpose, on time, and they're intentionally cutting us off and they're intentionally slowing us down and impeding the direction of our life. They're intentionally putting us at risk. And we have this perception that everything is personal. And I remember, it's, I think it was Jim Rohn. I, I mentioned this in my last podcast, the Effed Up podcast that I just did for Patreon, that our lives are ruined pre- predominantly by the way we think things are. Absolutely. It's not the way things are that affects us. It's the way that we think things are that affect us most. It really depicts that it's our perception of reality, not reality itself, that has the br- biggest determining factor in in the outcome of any situation whether it's road rage or a conversation with our boss or our spouse let's touch on perspective for a second because this really ties in i think particularly with the conscious leadership thing and a lot of the challenges and struggles that we face as a society as a society (laughs) i feel like that that segment in um Fun with Dick and Jane. <laughs> what What are your statistics? <laughs> Please tell me your statistics. <laughs> I didn't know that my lisping was contagious. <laughs> <clears throat> I just got a fat tongue. <clears throat> so perspective. So, um, I absolutely love that you you are bringing this up because, as I mentioned, of course, perspective uh, perception is interpretation, and really. Um, you know, you talked about how we perceive uh, it, the policeman pulling us over. And I'm like, it. we don't need to go that far. You know, I work a lot with um, what I call power couples, right? Like couples that are both very... Um, either but both business owners both leaders both very power couples and um type a couples well they can be type a or not um and it's fascinating that whenever we feel hurt or wounded so many couples take it personally right like this is a person that you have chosen to spend your lifetime with this is a person that you have chosen to be your partner and the first moment that they have a faux pas or they you know have an emotional reaction or they showed up not as their best self immediately most people take it personally and so just like you said i think that there's two main things that cause a lot of problems one is expectation 
the expectations that we have and that we put on others. Particularly those that we love and we believe love us. 100%, both expressed and unexpressed. Um, And then two, the fact that we think that everything's about us and we take everything personally. And so if we could learn to interpret things as everything is neutral and then we are simply giving it an interpretation based on our own filter, that it's based on our own wounds, then we could say, huh, I'm feeling triggered. It's less about that person and it's a lot about me. Right? So coming back to that same place. Now, perspective is difficult to take if we cannot step outside of our own filter and if we cannot step outside of our own shoes which is part of the reason why I love the practice of meditation and mindfulness because that practice allows us to be able to see something or experience something and and feel it and then be unreactive right like be like oh yeah I'm hungry okay let it go oh right I have to take out the garbage let it go right like oh hmm I'm cold let it go right like so all of a sudden we are not stuck in the cycle of reactivity which is how most of us live our lives and so the moment that we can step out of reacting step out of thinking that everything is about us and taking things personal then we can have the compassion to step outside of our shoes and step into somebody else's shoes and somebody else's experience and then have a different perspective you know um one of the one of the challenges and exercises that i give some of my clients especially when they're very um stuck on you know blaming and sort of this righteous indignation about something you know i'll say come up with five other stories five other stories about why is it that this other person or this thing happened that are either neutral or positive. And most people struggle greatly with doing that. Any story beyond they're an asshole and they're just stupid. Correct. Right? Like, oh, because sometimes the other person was trying to help them. Right? Even though the the effect was not necessarily pleasant, right? The intention behind it was loving like my christmas gift to you (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to digress now it reminds me a lot of oh it was a jack kornfeld um great buddhist teacher he was talking about and he said do not introduce me to him i want to go on hating him and it's really difficult to hate someone once you get to know them (laughs) And it's very similar with the struggles that we have, especially with the division in our communities and around the country, whether it be political or cultural or whatnot, um, taking the time to actually get to know somebody and understand why they believe the way that they believe and why they feel what it is that they're feeling, taking the time to actually get to know somebody rather than immediate casting of judgment and uh denigration of these people um, even if we have to in our own minds come up with five stories to help 
justify in a positive way why somebody would do what they're doing. Um, that would be really beneficial. Um, Buddhism is great. Another thing that they talk about is just like me in in the, uh, what do they call the compassion meditations? Tongolin. Yeah. Um, just like me to realize that, you know, if given the exact same set of circumstances, if I lived their life and went through everything that they went through, chances are pretty good that I would have a f- fairly similar paradigm and belief system as, as them. Another thing that's really beneficial from Buddhism that I think would help communities today is the independent origination um, or dependent origination. That is to say that there is nothing in this world that can exist unto its own. There are factory miners in Africa that mine the materials to create the cup that you're drinking your coffee from. And there were uh, farmers in Colombia that are mining, that are harvesting the beans. And then there's a roasting company in Portland that like dependent origination is super important to realize that nothing in my world could exist to me on its own. I need everybody that's involved in the entire world for this to exist for the life that we have we all need each other and i I think those are two beneficial or three really beneficial perspectives to have yeah i I love what you said because this is one of the key skills to develop of being able to move from judgment to curiosity being able to move from I know it all and I have all the answers and I'm right to hmm, maybe I don't know maybe there's things that I don't know and there's more to learn and um, let me find out you know it, it requires actually a great degree of bravery in my opinion to be willing to admit when you don't know something and to move from a space of judgment and self-righteousness to a space of curiosity and wanting to understand and learn more. It's, it's a, like I say many times, it's simple. It's a simple thing to do, but incredibly challenging to practice. <laughs> I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my mind around wanting to understand and being willing to listen to somebody justify a belief that I have come to determine is incredibly ignorant. There are lots of situations and lots of topics that I can come up with on the top of my head um, where this is a poignant topic. Um, how do we convince somebody to want to hear somebody justify something that we have determined is based completely in ignorance? You know, um, partly it's about being able to be clear about our role as leaders and catalysts and our ability to influence others we will never be able to influence others if we're not willing to listen, understand their model of the world and respect their model of the world. 
you know, we each of us, I think um, this is a very core tenet of uh, many of my NLP studies, which is respect each person's model of the world. And this model of the world is created based on experiences and values, right? And so we tend to judge other people's beliefs and actions based on our own model of the world based on our own value system but that is not actually their value system they have their own (laughs) right and so um when we can step out of the the righteousness of you know i have the truth and i know that what i know it's true and what they you know whatever they believe is wrong and they should just see it my way correct and if we could say Maybe there's a part, maybe there's a piece of what they have to say that might be true. And I'm willing to be open to listen and consider it. Doesn't mean that you are going to change your mind, but that you simply have the willingness and the openness to listen and to consider the possibility that they might have something to teach you or that they might have a perspective that might resonate for you. And if you can do so in a respectful manner, right? And you can do so in a way that they feel like you are appreciating and respecting their model of the world, then it allows them to feel seen and validated. And then it allows them ideally to then step into a place where they might be able to listen to you with that same energy. Grace. Absolutely. But when we come into any kind of interaction or conversation with the intention that we are right and I'm going to convince you that I'm right, then I already lost. Because we are in some ways violating the idea that each person gets to choose what feels right for them. And, um, you know, many, many years ago, and that each person's feelings are valid. valid. Regardless of what they're steeped on, right? Um, many years ago when I started my career as a psychologist, I created a mantra. I became, I, I recognized very early on that there was this great danger for me in um, sort of riding the waves of feeling really good about myself when my clients were feel, doing really well and then feeling really shitty when they were doing really crappy and taking ownership for that. And I recognized that um, that would be unhealthy for me and unhealthy for them. And so I created this mantra that said, I cannot make anybody do anything. You know, and I would like literally say it to myself every time I would like drive to my office, I cannot make anybody do anything. Um, And to simply be able to be in a place of all I can do is provide a a safe space for people to be able to express how they feel and I can provide a different perspective. I can help them consider different viewpoints, different opportunities and ultimately allow them to make the decision that feels best for them whether I agree with it or not. Um, You know, it's irrelevant. And so that ultimately people... You know, I think for me, it's really being able to keep present both as a 
leadership coach and uh, high performance is that in the end, people are responsible for their results. We are each only responsible for ourselves, right? And so recognizing that, yeah, we can have great power and great influence and most likely people are gonna be more open to receiving that perspective or to be influenced by us when they feel heard and respected. And validated. 100%. A long time ago, I decided that my role, my job on my time, in my time on this planet was to plant a seed or water one. Mm. Early on, I was really attached to planting the seed, watering it, watching it germinate, sprout, grow, and bear fruit within the 10 minutes of that particular conversation. <laughs> and I realized that that wasn't always lucrative or possible. So finally, I arrived at the decision that my job in this plane, in my existence, is to plant seeds and water them. And the only thing that I have control over is what kinds of seeds I plant and with what do I water and fertilize that seed. I can plant the seeds of hate and ignorance. I can water it with urine and lie, or I can plant the seeds of hope and optimism and empowerment and water it with water and nitrogen and try to hope that maybe someday it'll grow and uh, Dennis Waitley, who you probably know, the high performance coach and psychologist also, um, says, I want to plant shade trees under which I'll never sit. <laughs> my job is to, my role in this plane is to plant a seed or water it. And it sounds exactly like what you're talking about. Absolutely. I, I, so, you know, of course you and I have talked a lot about the serendipity of, um, our connection and our friendship and, you saying that just kind of helps me reaffirm, you know, why we're such good friends. Um, many, many years ago when I um, got divorced the first time, I read a, a book that was really transformative and the most transformative part of it was a poem that became sort of a little bit of a um, manifesto for me I have now my own but this was a, a guiding um, yeah a, a guiding manifesto for me and so I'm going to read it to you because I think that you're going to resonate with the planting seeds great so it's um, the poem is and the book is by Donna Markova and it's called I Will Not Die an Unlived Life I literally just read this yesterday. Did you? That's so freaking funny. Awesome. <laughs> this is how life works in synchronicity. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. Check this shit out. Screenshot from, <laughs> it wasn't yesterday, it was Monday. That is so funny. Weird, eerie, awesome, and funny. But clearly, this was a message that we needed to share with the community because, you know, and I think that it really depicts 
um, the essence of what we believe that we are here to do and really what what I believe many of us are here to do, right? That if we can take that seed and help it become blossom and then we can take that blossom and help it become fruit and help to advance and enhance the life of every person that we come into contact with in any kind of shape or form. And if that is our orientation, and if we can truly adopt that orientation day in and day out, our world would become a totally different world. And we wouldn't need to rely on government for anything. 100%. My intuition is telling me that this is a beautiful and serendipitous place to wrap this up. I can't think of a better way or a better message to send people off with than that. I love you so much. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really hope that everything that we had an opportunity to talk about resonates with the hearts of our listeners. Is there anything that you would like to share in closing? No, I just feel so honored that we got to do this and that we got to co-create in the way that we do and um, that we continue to bring our love and our gifts into the world and encourage people to do that because um, I guess the one thing that I do want to say is really help remind each of our listeners how much power we each have to create the lives that we want and to make a significant difference in other people's lives even if it's just a smile yeah everything matters absolutely will you please tell our listeners and this will be in our show notes but please tell our listeners how to find you your socials and uh, website and whatnot please share yeah um my website is synapsecounseling.com that's one of them and my other one is intuitive business mastery in that one, I have a bunch of gifts that people can download um, and access all kinds of uh, free resources. And all of these will, again, be in the show notes below. So please check there for Elena's contact information and the gifts that she's going to offer. Mm-hmm. And they can find both those uh, businesses on Facebook and also Dr. Elena Estenal on Facebook pages. Perfect. I hope that you have a wonderful day. I hope that everybody listening has been empowered and can traverse the next week at least with this incredible energy that I feel right now. Thank you. I love you all. Have a wonderful day. Take care. See, what did I tell you? That was one fantastic conversation, wasn't it? chock full of incredible insights and wisdom and inspiration and I hope that something in that whole thing really sparked a flame inside your soul and that you're ready to go out and be an inspired leader. Um, Before we close out here, once again, I want to send a shout out and a thank you to all of the businesses that chose to go above and beyond and support our silent auction for this month. We have Pino's Palette, Painting with a Twist, Studio Vino, Haley Hassler, um, Rosetta, the bronze sculptor. She's phenomenal. Global Village Museum, Loveland Art Museum. 
Artisan U, Daggett Glass Studios, Colorado Symphony Orchestra, Winter Fest and Off the Hook Arts, Rialto Theater, Loveland Museum, Rich Helzer, Michaela Kiernan, Glassy Mermaid, and Black Sand Glass. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Once again, thank you for your support and helping the world empowered to help more people. I hope that you have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.